0: Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a National Diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org.
1: Welcome again, everyone, to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternkey, and I'm here with Bishop Todd Hunter. How are you today, Todd? What's up, Ben? I'm great. Nothing I like
2: better than being with three smart colleagues. Yes. fantastic.
1: Yes, yes. Which uh, the the voices you have not heard yet are the other two colleagues um, that uh, Todd referenced. Today we have a couple of guests. Um, We're going to have a conversation today about how the church is responding to changes in the landscape of the pandemic, uh, the new Delta variant, um, cases rising now in all 50 states uh, Controversy over vaccination and masking How it all intersects with the work of shepherding God's people uh, Our two guests are One, the Reverend Amanda Holm-Rosengren um, are, I've got you as the curate at Church of the Redeemer Are you still the curate? Is that I have your a, a title?
0: I you have, have a new title, title. I okay. am now what Associate Pastor Associate Pastor
1: Great. Yeah. Way to well go done. Amanda Moving on up Moving on up at Church of the Redeemer in Highwood, Illinois. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. You've been on the podcast before, uh, sharing, oh, just uh, the cycle of prayer spotlight. Is that right? Or have you done some no, other stuff No, it was us? part of
0: the COVID no, no, no. series.
1: Yeah, yeah, part of the COVID series. Mm-hmm. We're, we were reimagining church after COVID, and now we're sort of reimagining. But one of the things that we didn't anticipate is uh, that after COVID might not be quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, You mean that after COVID might not be after? Yeah, right. After COVID is more COVID, and then (laughs) who knows? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, And our other guest is the Reverend Sean McCain, who is the rector at Resurrection South Austin in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the C4SO podcast, Sean McCain.
3: Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. All right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, I kind of introduced it, um, and we're joking about it, uh, probably to probably to cover over our own pain and grief, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my heart, my, every time I read the news, my heart sinks uh, a little bit, just like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? I don't know if I can do this again, you yeah. know, Yeah. <sighs> all of that. So Bishop Todd, maybe, um, maybe you could give you the first word here. What, can you give us a few words on how you're encouraging us to frame this, uh, to think about this? Um, you sent an email out uh, to some of the rectors in the diocese, and I think That might be a good place for us to start, like from a big picture perspective, as we see these things happening, um, how should we think about this and frame this? Yeah. Well, two
2: things come to mind, Ben. And the first one is what you uh, alluded to is that I think self-care for probably lots Mm -hmm. of different people, but we're all clergy listening to this podcast, at least most of them. I think self-care for clergy is super important right now. Because just to use an analogy, um, I just talked to a friend yesterday who just came back from one of those really high climbs in um, the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. And um, you know he's a guy about my age, so not like in peak shape for you know, uh, taking hikes at 12, 14,000 feet. And you know that feeling where you're just exhausted and you're literally like, I'm not sure I can go any further and you' you're getting to the peak and you go, oh, great. But then you get to the peak and you look over the horizon and go, oh, my gosh, this is not the peak. There's mm. something even mm-hmm. higher. Yeah. And I've talked to so many clergy, not just C4SO clergy, but so many clergy across America the last couple of weeks who were already pretty tired by the last 15 years. Uh, sorry, 15 months. And all right, it's longer than that now, 18 months. Mm-hmm. And not just tired, but beat up. Mm-hmm. It's one thing yeah. to be tired. Like oh, we just put on VBS. That's one sort of tired. Or we just did our annual church retreat, and and you know you get to Saturday Sunday afternoon, and you're exhausted. But man, it was so beautiful. That's one right. sort of tired. But there's another sort of tired that I just feel so bad for um, our clergy, all clergy across America who've just been so beat up yeah. by trying to make good decisions about this. So number yeah. one. I think if you've ever were gonna care about self-care, now's the time to do it, is keep good margins, make sure you're doing uh, replenishing things so that your spiritual, emotional, relational, inter- intellectual energy stays appropriate. That seems really important to me. The second one though, Ben, and this may be more what you are asking about, you know, I, none of us can be experts on the epidemiology. None of us are experts on public policy. Um, uh, some of us are trying to be respectful to quote the other side. Um, some people on either side of this actually aren't respectful to the other side. Um, so I've racked my brain just trying to think what to do. And I guess I'm, what I'm about to say is either like really profound and foundational or, uh, you know, maybe it's cheesy and naive, but if I'm just being honest, I just always bring it back to simple things like love God and love your neighbor and 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 literally what does it mean to be the good samaritan today? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I bring it back to those simple sorts of things of okay, read the science, think about the public policy, but we're ministers and what do we what does it mean for us to do the most good for the most people? Um, that's what I find myself coming back to. And it's kind of where we were last eight, January, 18 months ago when this all started. In that since I haven't really moved. It's gotten more complex about how to do it. But the underlying concept for me, I think, remains there. How to do yeah. the best good for the most people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking with somebody today about that and how, oddly, that's actually puts us in a position of difficulty, right? Because I think the easy thing would be to sort of, um, in a sense, sort of, uh, line up with, line up with sort of some of the trauma response or or whatever, like line up with some of the more polarized, uh, opinions Mm -hmm. about some of these things and just sort of rally the troops around that uh, opinion. But when you're actually trying to do the, the, you know, do the best for the most amount of people, um, it does end up becoming a really challenging place to be. Um, yeah. So anyway, but I, I appreciate that, especially the word about self-care too. I uh, <laughs> I find for me, uh, especially, uh, I can't be reminded of that um, too much, probably. And especially hearing my bishop encourage me again um, makes me start to think like, am I, am I taking care of my soul? Well,
2: um, you know, Ben, this seems know.
1: sort of quaint now, you know,
2: to look back 15 months or so. But remember when we were thinking, okay, masking and social distancing and, you know, things were shutting down and that yeah. seemed to be the best good. But remember people were saying, but what about the restaurateurs? It's destroying these small businesses that people have worked their whole life for. So the good for the one is not the good, you know, for the other. Right. And I think that that sense of intractability, which sometimes it really is difficult. Maybe I've said before on this podcast that public policy is actually really hard. And if any of us ever had to sit in a mayor's office mm -hmm. or a governor's office, we would know instantly how hard public policy actually is. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. intellectually super hard. Um, But I think that those tensions have just gotten worse. They haven't gotten better. Mm -hmm. And the sense of intractability, like, can you even figure out What's the best good for the most people, and and that's mm-hmm. why I'm saying these really trying times I think require us to be exquisitely present to them, and we can't be if we're not, you know, practicing our own soul care.
1: Yeah, that's good. Um, Amanda, I wonder if you could help us get a little bit more granular now. Um, what what have been for you at Church of um, Church of the Redeemer? What have you? What new challenges have cropped up for you in the midst of this upsurge and the Delta variant and all that kind of thing. And how have you been responding to them?
0: Yeah. I I think for us, a couple things come to mind. One is just the level of tiredness of everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, you talked about um, self-care for clergy, Bishop Todd. I think people are tired. Yeah. Yeah. What can we offer? (laughs) What can we offer that doesn't just tire people out more? Um, Mm. I, and, and I think, as, as I think about our community, I think one of the difficult things for us as leaders is that we have several groups who each need something a little different. We have um, people who are hungry to come in person and to keep coming in person. Um, we have people who aren't comfortable coming in person, and that's, that scares them. Or they have kids who aren't vaccinated, and they, yeah. they, that's just they're just their conscience doesn't allow it. Then we have another group who's used to staying home for church. They don't have anything against it. Maybe they'll come once a month or once every couple months, but they've just gotten used to being home. And what does it look? Each of these groups, it's it's I, I, how how do we care for these folks? I think one of the things that we're we've really learned is there's just no substitute for being in person together and being yeah. face to face, face yeah. and worshiping together. And yet we're in this liminal season where that pushing toward that isn't necessarily the, the right thing for everybody. And yet for some people it is. And so I think mm. that's what we're trying to think through right now is how do we, again, who, who, who's our, who do we care for? How do we care for all these people and these competing things when we're tired and we can't just keep doing more and more and more? Um, so yeah. for me, I think those are, the, those are the challenges for us right now.
1: Yeah. Amanda, I appreciate you breaking it down. Like that, I, I I see the same groupings and the same challenges in our church, where there are some people for whom you know when we started talking about. So we went back to this past Sunday, we went back to masking. Mm-hmm. Like it, we've asked everybody to wear a mask, partly because our bishop asked us to, yes. uh, because our county is you know in the orange zone or whatever. And so we, um, and so we, uh, you know, and we blamed you, Todd, for that. You know, we were like, well, it's out of our hands. Our we're bishop, the same I'm counting thing. on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, there were some people who were texting me like just almost having a panic attack. Cause they're like, I can't like, I, I'm glad we're still together. I hate masks, but like, I can't bear the thought of us going back online yeah. for worship. Like I can't, yeah. I just can't even bear it. Yeah. Um, and so there's that group of people. Um, But then, you know, there's also groups of people, like like you said, the the ones who aren't coming, um, I I think there are, I think it's helpful to break that into those two groups. There's some that are like, this is a matter of conviction for me, uh, safety for my kids, you know, that kind of a thing. But then there's some people I think that are just like, I kind of like church in Mm -hmm. my PJs, you know? Um, People have told me that. People have literally told me that. (laughs) That's great. Well, I think uh, it's yeah, and they, they present very different challenges. You know, yeah. one I think requires a lot of grace, and the other one, you know, might might require some uh, some truth, you know, yeah. uh, or some di- you know a discipleship conversation to say like what, like why do you think you like that, and what what might be going on there for you, and so mm-hmm. yeah. Sean, how about you guys in uh, you know, Austin? What um, what ha- what new challenges have sprung up for you, and how are you guys responding?
3: Um, it. it it is even like tiring, even thinking about this, trying to figure out, like, I, it feels difficult to describe because we haven't actually come out of it. You know, it feels like you're still in right. the fog of it all. And I'm not sure if we're, yeah. I'm not sure if I can describe it, but I can totally relate to what Amanda's describing. Um, I have, at least I can speak for myself from where I'm standing, a decision fatigue, like crazy. Mm-hmm. Every time something happens, whether it's pandemic or just yeah. social issues yeah. or, matters in the church it just um it just I just get exhausted having to make I even with the point when someone's like asking me about altar linens and I kind of just ah! <laughs> like, don't, like I can't right I now you know on it altar just I, I realized like oh I think this has nothing to do with altar linens um but mm-hmm. I just uh, there's the constant change it just makes an unstable exhausting feeling um that that we're working from on top of that for us there's just been this like surge of pastoral care needs and Mm -hmm. anxiety in the church hospital visits losses whether it's people who we've lost in our own parish and things like giving last rites over facetime oh it just is like
1: dude
3: i don't i still don't know where to stick that one you know um or just Mm -hmm. the people who have lost loved ones I know one lady in our parish has lost nine people in her family in the last one and a half years. So uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're just uh, COVID things. or COVID related. Yeah, I think. Wow, man. Um, well, cool. no, a couple of them. I think we're not, but okay. still. Um, yeah. And then so, so there's that whole uh, avalanche. It feels like of pain and loss and disorientation mm-hmm. and exhaustion. But then on top of all this, I hear my bishop in my head talking about self care, and I'm thinking, I, <laughs> I really suck at this because, I, uh, I, I don't know where to stick that one either, and I know that I have yeah. nothing to offer if I don't um, yeah. spend time getting cared for by the Lord and in and quiet. But it seems like such sometimes it seems like such a luxury. Um, mm-hmm. This is why I, I, I'm like bearing my soul here. But when I was reading the biography on Eugene Peterson, I, broke into, I burst into mm-hmm. tears when he was just mm-hmm. talking to his vestry saying, I want to be an unhurried pastor with you. How can I be unhurried with you if the rest of my life is frantic? How can I be rested with you if I am deeply tired? How can I be this thing mm-hmm. for you that I'm not? And I, I, that's what it all kind of came crashing in on me in, the, in that book. And uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. But very personally, from a pastoral perspective, those are some of the big challenges that I think are ground level. Everything else is a really big deal, but those are the things that are I'm still trying to sort through. Yeah
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a good word about decision fatigue, um, yeah. because that, that's a real thing. You know and this we've been through a season and are still in a season, right? where like a lot of you, you realize that it's sort of a, um, it's a need that we have for stability. As humans, like we need to have routines. We need to have stability. We need to have these like set expectations. Like I know what to expect when I come to church and, you know, in a lot of areas of our life and in our lives. And COVID has just thrown so much, not just church, but like so much of that has been thrown up in the air and created this air of uncertainty and sort of this vague danger, right? That's like out there, this invisible danger that could kill me that I can't see that my friends might give to, you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, I think we've, I mean, maybe we haven't underestimated it, but I'm just thinking again about how this has been a, like a collective global trauma in a lot of ways. Um,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Anyway, that's connected to our churches Sean. Um, ben,
2: ben, just before we... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Amanda.
0: <laughs> sorry. I'm getting used to the podcast thing. I was <laughs> going to say, Sean, I appreciate the, what you named about the, just the accumulation of grief. Yeah. Because mm. that's its own kind of tiredness. It's yes. not just little bits of grief. It's this. It just keeps coming. Mm-hmm. And how can we be healers while we're also carrying that grief for ourselves and and same thing for our people?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Now, I just wanted to say, Ben, before we get off the... Um, Uh, you know, kind of soul care, decision fatigue kind of thing. I remember one time pouring my heart out for some reason, I can't remember what, it was decades ago to Dallas uh, Willard and Dallas saying to me, well, Todd, the, the big, one of the big challenges of human life, one of the big challenges of formation is to learn to find the goodness of God in your actual life as you presently experience it so not in the good old days in this case before covid or the days will come when we've got a vaccine that is good for delta delta plus epsilon whatever but how do you find (laughs) the goodness of god in your in your actual life and so i was talking to having lunch a week or so ago with a spiritual director friend of mine and i was like sean's doing here sort of pouring out my soul to him and and he asked a very good spiritual direction sort of question um well, what seems replenishing to you? And I said, well, it sounds weird, but like when I can read or write or like think about things deeply, that feels replenishing. Or I said, or just dopey things like walking my dog or exercising. And he just looked at me like mm-hmm. a good spiritual director and said, well, then do it. Mm-hmm. hmm <laughs> So I think what I want to say is this is why I've been going to so to many Sean.
3: soccer games then. This makes tons yes. of sense. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, there, there you go. go. Yeah. yeah.
2: So so I just want to say, because we all feel what Sean's feeling, mm-hmm. is that sometimes soul care or self-care sounds like another busyness to add to an already over busy life. And the trick is is to find ways of doing replenishing things within our sort of given life. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Because Sean's, otherwise Sean's right. It feels like what did you say, Sean? A luxury.
3: Mm.
2: Well, that's the luxury that some people have. Now, again, to right. Sean's point, Eugene fought for it.
1: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, spoiler alert: no one should ever read Eugene. It's going to just ruin you, <laughs> It'll mess you up. <laughs> never. do I mean, it. Never, you cannot. Never. You can never unsee it. It's like mm-hmm. once yeah. you read Eugene, yeah. it can't be unseen, <laughs> um, and it, it sort of ruins you because he was he 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 did it. He lived it. Mm-hmm. But I just—I guess I want to just give pastors hope that try to find a way of doing this. Try to find a way of self-care, soul care, replenishing sort of life that doesn't feel like adding busyness. If it feels like adding busyness, just don't Mm -hmm. do it. It'll actually Mm -hmm. be counterproductive. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, And I think because the grief is so widespread that you know even those who are listening who aren't clergy, like Mm -hmm. that we we all need we all need to be thinking about this, right? Because yeah. daily life is not sort of affording us this in, in sort of spontaneous ways. Like we have to carve out this space to, to walk the dog or mm-hmm. go to a soccer game or read and write or just be quiet, mm-hmm. you know, and pray or whatever whatever yeah. it is, you know, that, yeah. that replenishes. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, I wonder if we could turn uh, maybe a final, so self-care um, is, is part of this discussion, but um, leadership is also you know as you mentioned Todd earlier leadership is is difficult um, these days um, we've mm-hmm. kind of got this challenging intersection of this complex science that you know none of us you know actually understand unless we're you know, epidemiologists um, We've got this complex science we've got our faith we've got government policies we've got public health concerns we've got personal sort of liberty concerns we've got, Uh, And then we've got, you know, conspiracy theories that have just thrived in the midst of this. Um, And so I'm just wondering if uh, any of you have um, a word or an example on sort of how to lead uh, in the midst of these things, because all of those all of those factors that they're they're all very different. Right. So um, what what what's like the three groups you mentioned, Amanda, like I think each of those groups demand a different kind of leadership response if we're going Mm -hmm. to be. You know, as Bishop Todd said, like loving, expressing love to the most uh, amount of people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so for example, um, just to make this concrete, and then Amanda, Sean, I'd love to hear what you guys are learning about this. Um, So for example, I I have a lot of grace for the people who can't fathom can't. I can't go back. I can't go back in my room and be alone. You know what I mean. And I have a lot of grace for the people who are like, I just can't come to worship right now. We've got these kids and they're going to school now and mm-hmm. that kind of a, that kind of a thing. Um, I, I find I don't have. And maybe this isn't the right way to say it, but like there have been a couple times when someone tries to like put forth a conspiracy theory in our like group chat, you know, in the table, in our, in our group chat or something like that. And I've found in myself, I have a very different response. I I have a lot of grace for why you might want to believe that, but I, like we have shut that down very quickly and said, this is not the kind of speech we're going to be propagating around here. you know, that kind of thing. So I was just thinking about that and thinking that's an interesting sort of sort of difference of, uh, leadership mm-hmm. sort of tactics in the moment, and I wonder if you guys have any wisdom. If you guys have any anything you're learning in regards to that, I know that's kind of a, a big question. But like, how should we be thinking about and leading? You know, in the midst of this, when we have these various groups of people and all this various these various forces kind of acting on us and on our congregations. Anybody want to try to tackle that one?
0: <laughs> I have a couple of ideas. I I, I just want to say from the start, I am not an expert. And I think like most yeah. of us, we're trying to figure this out as we go, especially yes. the conspiracy theory stuff and the, oh, the yeah. kind of tribalism that, that comes out. But yeah. for me, there's, there's two questions that have begun to be helpful. and One is just what are our values? What are yeah. the why behind our behavior? You know, mm. So like Bishop Todd said, loving our neighbor, that's been a big value for us. Um, truth is a value for us, and naming mm. what's real is a value. Um As well as honoring freedom of conscience, right? and giving people yeah. grace. And so that's that's been a helpful question for me as I think about how do we even communicate why we're doing our policies or why we're mm-hmm. doing this, why we're doing that? Well, this it's because we value this. That's given yeah. us, I think, some consistency. And even if people disagree with it, sometimes it can help them understand why, again. Yeah. And the other question I'm starting to ask more, is what are the needs and the hungers underneath here? Mm-hmm. Um, we, this last Sunday, we were, we were looking at um, you know, the passage where Jesus has just fed all the people and they come and say, give us more, give us more. And he says, no, I'm the bread. And it's, the, it's this question of what are, what's the hunger? What are the soul hungers under this? Mm-hmm. And so I think about that with you know, you know, folks who maybe are anti-vaxxers or um, the conspiracy theory stuff is what is, what is that meeting for them? Maybe yeah. I need to speak to that. Um, how does really Jesus good. want to speak to that and, and feed that uh, yes. with, his, with his daily bread and with his presence?
1: That's Amanda, that's so good. That, that's so helpful. Uh, and it gets us out of the immediate antagonism. Like when, I, when I'm confronted with that, I think in my, in my bones, there's this immediate reaction to argue, mm-hmm. right? Here's why you're wrong about that. Um, and I try to argue for the rightness of my... Of my view, but I think your your approach is so wise to say that there's a deep hunger that's being expressed here in this unhealthy way, you know, and maybe it's, complete, you know, like if it's a conspiracy theory, right? Yeah. It's like, it's objectively, it's like, it's so wrong. It's just false, you know? And so, but uh, it's not a wise tactic to just confront it head on like that. I think mm-hmm. it's really wise to say what hunger is being fed by this and how can I speak to that hunger and show that Jesus is actually a better, you know, yeah. bread, as you were saying, yeah. um, than, than what they're feeding themselves on now. It's really wise. Sean, you have any thoughts yeah, on this? Yeah,
3: I, I, I don't know if I can add much more to that, but there's one thing that I have had to delineate in my head as a, as a priest of a parish, um, that because there's just a lot of these kinds of comments and information and um, conversation floating around. And I have to constantly ask myself, are these my people? Like, um, mm. meaning I can't engage everyone as if they're in my parish or they're under my mm-hmm. care, but I, I, mm. I, I'm having to ask myself, are these my people? Like, are they under my care? And because my, I think my posture, I don't, I don't know if this is good or right or anything, but for my own kind of emotional, psychological energy, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I've had to say, look, I can't, I can't, um, make something happen over here for these people. I can't, I'm not gonna, I don't even know if I can engage this. I don't have the energy for it um, but with my own people folks at res those that i i really want to care for i yeah. i need to be able to have the the kind of energy to commit and be present and ask questions like you're asking and do that hard deeper work but i can't mm-hmm. do that with everybody um yeah i don't, i actually can't do it with for very many people at all and so yeah. i've tried to be aware of my own limitations with that so that i can be more present to my folks who are Trying to sort through all of these things. Um, another big mm-hmm. thing that's come up over this over this time is um, within my. So I'll talk within my own my own people, my parish um, folks. Who? What's really at stake when I when I listen to people and hear them wrestling with this? I'm wondering, like, what's at stake for this person? Mm-hmm. Do they really yeah. care about Marxism, or <laughs> you know, like, or do they really care about um what what like grade of mask? And if it works, you know, what's really at (laughs) stake. And um, it seems like what's um, one way of that's been fruitful is by kind of, I imagine shoulder to shoulder with these people saying, Hey, what's this about? Like, wonder, Mm -hmm. do you really care about that? Or is there something else going on Mm -hmm. for you? Mm -hmm. And kind of being curious together side by side without having some sort of conclusion already locked and loaded, but just being curious with them. And oftentimes i found that our folks are, I just have problems with with trust, with authority. Oh, yeah. um, they, they're they tired, just like me. They're not sure they have the kind of intellectual energy to sort through all of the headlines every day about everything oh, yeah. and make yeah, yeah. sense of what it means to be a Christian in the world and follow Jesus. It's just exhausting. So there's like some sympathy there um, and, and some serious trust issues. And uh, another thing that's been really fruitful in those conversations is bringing us back to, like Amanda mentioned, like, um, the basics. What is the gospel? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, more more often than not, we've had this conversation where people have implied or said explicitly to me from preaching or doing ministry, hey, Sean, just stick to the gospel. Let the world deal with itself. <laughs> and so we have to ask, like, well, what is the gospel? What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And get yeah, down yeah. to the bottom of um, what is it that Jesus is announcing in Mark 1? It seems like not a, mm-hmm. a private spiritual issue but something that concerns the entire cosmos and all of sacred history so Mm -hmm. uh, what do we do with that you know and just being opening up some space to be curious with people and and Mm -hmm. follow jesus with them and sharing some of my own learnings um Mm -hmm. have just been kind of the soft gentle Mm -hmm. ways of working with folks that i've seen that have been fruitful
1: Mm. yeah sean that's really helpful Mm -hmm. reminder for me as well that um this is something i'm learning kind of real time but empathy empathy all by itself does way more work than I originally thought, you know, 20 years ago when I got into ministry, like just being empathetic, like, and people feeling like they're not alone in how they feel. Um, it just does so much work. I just, I'm, I'm recalling a a conversation I very recently had where somebody, you know, this was one of these people that was panicking about the potential of not meeting together. Um, and I, you know, I found myself, uh, I found myself in this con- in this conversation, uh, trying to tell them why we needed to wear masks and trying to tell them why we were doing all of these things, you know. So I, I, again, defending the policy of the church, and my wife uh, just stepped in and said, "Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm really mm-hmm. scared for this, and I don't feel like I can do this again." And that was all <laughs> that was all yeah. this person needed. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's really good. <laughs> I should <laughs> learn to do this. I should learn to do this." So anyway, that's really helpful, Sean yes. and Amanda. Thank you both.
3: Well, Ben, I know that if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm the least <laughs> empathetic person in the world. I'm Dude, awful. Dude, I, I know
1: I know you a little bit. Like we're on some we're on some text threads together, and I can affirm that I'm terrible uh, at empathy. This is true. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's
0: that, true. That's, <laughs> Hopefully, maybe, I can
3: affirm that without. Uh, but throwing you under to the your bus. point, like I think I think <laughs> I think that um, there's also this balance of what you're describing, Ben, which is having the integrity of saying no here's what's true here's why okay. we're doing this i need to bring your attention yeah. to what's true balancing mm-hmm. that with some wisdom uh some some really wise empathy with people yeah mm-hmm. and like kind of at, at once being able to own the fact that like i'm not going to be able to manage if this person is mad at me for my decision as a leader i can't mm-hmm. i got to make the best faithful wise decision i can and if they hate me yeah. for it i can't mm-hmm. manage that at the same time this is the hard part for me managing uh, or choosing to stand shoulder to shoulder with them in empathy and say, yeah, this is tough. I get it. I'm doing yeah. my best too. That's a hard thing yeah. to balance.
0: Yeah.
1: It is. That's good. Todd, you got anything that comes to mind that you'd want to add to that?
2: I just love um, Sean's phrase and the, the imagination the like mental model. It sparks in me of being curious side by side. mm. mm. That just almost Mm. seems impossible. It's a lovely and I think the right vision. Mm. It just seems, Mm -hmm. I think part of what drives us all crazy as leaders is it seems almost impossible to facilitate that. Yeah. And I found myself a lot in the last two or three weeks as the whole Delta thing has come up. Mm. And I I probably have thought it over the last 18 months as well. But I keep wanting to like shout from a mountain (laughs) that says, hey, look, this is just the way humans develop. Mm hmm Mm. Like, what do you think it was like in the stone ages when they had to decide, is that berry poisonous? Will it kill you? Or is it nutritionist? How did they figure that out? Like, who ate the first (laughs) hemlock plant and went, oh, crap. You know, that didn't work. You know? Um, This is just, seriously, this is just the way humanity develops. So is it surprising that we have dueling medical advice? No. No. Because yeah. I can just see tribes standing around saying, well, give it to the dog, you know, see if it dies. You know, I mean, seriously, this is just, the, we are, we mm, are literally yeah. in mm. a developmental period of history when we're learning that there are these tiny little invisible things that are more powerful than six foot six, mm. 230 pound bulked up men. These little mm. invisible things kill people like that. Yeah. Well, of course, yeah. everybody's going, what the H-E double toothpicks is that? <laughs> of course, everybody's freaked out by it. But what bugs me so much is that we, I don't know how, I wish I could just get everybody to be curious side by yeah. side. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. instead of going, well, you like the red berry just because you're a Republican. And you like the blueberries because mm-hmm. you're a freaking Democrat, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we, we can no longer have a talk about berries and which ones are nutritious or which ones might kill you. Now we're talking about each other and as yeah. you're saying Ben the, the lack of trust the berries
1: only indicate which team you're on yes. and that becomes mm-hmm. the only issue we care about.
2: <laughs> well, that's yes. what I was trying to say right there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um so again I just yeah. I sometimes wish like Moses God would give me a megaphone to stand on some metaphorical mm-hmm. mountain and say can we just be curious side by side for yeah. 6 months or yeah. a year here and yeah. f- we'll, we'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's there's so much there. Todd, in, ter- in terms of just, I-, I have a sense of grief as I mm-hmm. hear you talk, yeah. um, because I think there is a, there is a capacity, like it's a it's a, it's like a brain it's like a brain function thing, right? Like we go into our brain stems, fight or flight mode, right? Um, trauma does this to us, and it it not everybody is able to get out of fight or flight to be mm-hmm. curious, yeah. you know, to get back into your prefrontal cortex and go. What do I what is it I like about blueberries? And I wonder if red berries are, you know, I've never tried one, you know. And um it um yeah, so there's a sense of grief about that as well. That yeah that there is that does feel you can't just explain that to people. Yeah. Like there has to be some pre uh there has to be some willingness that's that's there already yeah. to kind of draw and, upon.
2: Yeah. So we now know that hemlock is hemlock, don't eat it, it'll kill you. And mm-hmm. blueberries and cranberries are good. And mm-hmm. I believe someday we will know that here's what masks did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, let's just state for the sake of discussion, they were imperfect, but here's what they did or didn't do. Mm-hmm. Here's what was good and bad about these imperfect vaccines. Someday we'll know it. But to yeah. know it, it's this is an experiential kind of knowing. We cannot escape that. This is not mm-hmm. a political, intellectual, and yeah. even merely epidemiological kind of right. knowledge. For right. the rest right. of us who aren't epidemiologists epidemiologists, it's a, it's an experience kind of learning. And, mm. and we are in this together, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that, that names too, like I, I think one of the reasons we close down that curiosity is because we are fatigued by the uncertainty, mm so yeah. much is uncertain. We yeah. still don't yeah. know we still don't know how this works and why some people get long COVID. And right. Like there's so much uncertainty that it makes sense that people would like latch on to a conspiracy theory or this is why this is happening. These people are doing this. And there's this like certainty feels like a like a safe place, you know, yeah. for our for our brains.
3: There's another yeah, part of this. We're in
2: the midst of oh sorry, Sean, I just want to say we're in the midst of deep deep complexity and that doesn't allow for the sort of simple certainty that all of us would mm-hmm. love to have and then right. you're right ben that becomes a breeding ground for all sorts of things not just yep. conspiracy theories but like you said anxiety or depression or fear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we can't yet grasp the normal human certainty mm-hmm. we want to have that this is a cranberry i can eat this yeah and we don't yeah. have it yet so how, how do we yeah. live in this Sorry, Sean, what
3: were you going to say? No, I I, am kind of the elephant in the room for me behind all this. And I think a lot of people, they may have lost sight that this is where some of this has originated for them. Mm. But a lot of the people that I run into, this isn't about um, uh, their curiosity about good berries and bad berries. This is about um, someone in power and authority injecting enough doubt, enough suspicion about berries in general and everything we've ever known about berries that have caused all this interest about berries. If Mm -hmm. you're catching my metaphor here, Mm -hmm. this is, um, (laughs) and I'll just, just practically like when folks in my church um, uh, object or have some sort of like break tapping or, you know, just like, wait a second. I don't believe in this. I can, I can ask a few questions and really quickly get to the place of realizing, oh, this is a white conservative Republican from Texas who is a Trump supporter. Oh, like, and I, I, that's what makes it actually, that's not always the case, and I don't mean to just mm-hmm. overgeneralize, but there is some sort of like, um, even often, and I hate to say, I I know that there's even fatigue in hearing this, but there's often like racialized power norms yeah. um, and identity that um, I know that people don't genuinely see and they don't want it to be the case, but still operate in mm-hmm. in the things that they are now arguing about. Mm -hmm. and there's a there's a sense of or an experience for them of things changing and things being threatened that that makes this stuff an issue when it was never an issue before and so for me the elephant in the room is like is this really about masks um Mm -hmm. or is this about people who have who are realizing uh the power that we have become so accustomed to is now being undermined and threatened yeah yeah and i just that's actually what that That makes me even more tired because then I realize, oh, this goes way deeper, I don't know if I can yeah. what I could do yeah. with this, you know
1: yeah, for sure, Sean. I think all of that's uh, in operation, and it it does make the the challenge uh even more of a discipleship challenge right uh, and a gospel challenge, like you said that, that um, and a leadership challenge
3: and even even signaling any of this, people are just roll their eyes and check out and like we don't they disengage and we're done, so it's like. Yeah. I totally. re- I realize this comes across like, oh, here comes the race card again, or here comes that whole. <laughs> but what do you yeah. what do you do if yeah. it's true and people don't want to see it? What do you do? Yeah. It's just so exhausting. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I appreciate that, Sean. I, I I'm thinking a lot right now about what's the long view, because some of this stuff I can't fix right now. I can't fix in the next five years. You know, mm. things like how do we train our people. To discern good, to, to sift through all this information, and, dis- and, yeah. and to discern what's what's good, what's biased. I, I think we, you know, the church has a role to play there, as well yeah. as what are we what are we teaching in terms of what our role is in the world. I yeah. think there's there's long term discipleship and formation questions. I think that all of this raises because of exactly the things that you named just now, Sean.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not. It's not. Um, yeah, that adds to the complexity, right? Because you're not going to solve it in a conversation. Um, that oftentimes these things can only be seen over, you know, years um, of kind of slowly opening eyes and a lot of conversations over years. Um, Well, folks, we're bumping up against time. I would love to ask you one quick last question um, that gets us maybe, uh, moves us in a different direction. Are there any surprising signs of life that have sprung up for your congregation during this uh, time of, you know, pandemic?
3: Yeah, I can jump in and say, yes, our church, I think, is realizing who we are in a deeper way and getting mm-hmm. more comfortable with um, people not liking who we are who we are, and um, kind of making our home with that and uh, trying to pay attention to what is the spirit making of our church? It seems like some more mm-hmm. of that's being uncovered. And this whole, the, the, during the entire pandemic season, we planned this beforehand, but it's really, we've doubled down. We have um, been focusing on discipleship. And mm. uh, going back to the basics, and it's been really, really helpful. And what that's done is just kind of grounded us and focused our our church um, a little bit more carefully on the things that the Spirit is making of us and calling us mm. to be uniquely as our as a parish. Mm.
1: It's great, man.
0: Yeah, thank it's good you. to hear. Yeah, for us, a few things. One, just personally. <laughs> this has been a year in which I have grown immensely as a leader. I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm grateful for that, and, and I'm not yeah. the only one. And so I was thinking about that, and like, not to, I don't know, I, just one of those seasons. I've had a couple of yeah. these where the the pain. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is what Scripture's talking about in terms of pain and trial producing growth. Okay, I'll receive that, Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a couple other things i think i'm seeing our community actually has a has the potential to be a place that doesn't fit the left right binary mm. which i'm grateful for i'm you know it's got its challenges as yeah. you can imagine but i think you know the church ought to be able to be that mm-hmm. and it's very hard but i think actually we have some potential for that and and the other gift that my rector jay re- reminded me about is that we actually have some people who found us online, excuse me, <clears throat> because of this technology, yeah. who've come in person, or even people who've been connected with us and who live in other places, that this has been a lifeline for them and an encouragement to us. Um, mm. So th- those are some of the, the signs of life that I see for us That's and I'm great. grateful for.
1: That's great. Yeah, I would, I would echo both of those things, I think, are happening for us in our church as well, like a, an increased sort of um, confidence in our identity uh, as a church in terms of like what God has called us to do, our specific charism uh, as a church uh, has been clarified and the same kind of practical things. People found us online. It's kind of almost, almost universally now when I ask new people that I see for the first time in person, like how did you find us or that kind of thing, they almost all say that they visited online once or they watched a service, you know, that kind of thing. And we would have never (laughs) dreamed of recording our worship services. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that, that like theologically like still gives me the willies, yeah, <laughs> but it's like a gift to be for people to be able to like I can kind of check it out, I kind of know what the flavor is, I, I can see what's happening here, but then people still want to come in person, which has been for us a good sign of life as well that I think I think the with the the fasting from in person gatherings for a mm-hmm. season, I think it reminded people of like, oh, this is not okay, right, like what this mm-hmm. is not. This isn't this, enough. This cannot be church, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of renewed people's uh, vision, I think, and hunger for uh, incarnational in-person uh, connection with each other, and I think that's uh, helping us in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So,
3: yeah, are you guys noticing as well when people come online? We, there's like new folks coming in, but the old folks are kind of um, not as present, and so they're like, mm-hmm. there's like some of our old folks come back after being quarantined or whatever. And they're like, man, I don't even recognize this church anymore. Yes. <laughs> who are all these old new people? You know,
1: we have, we have very, we have long-term members, mm-hmm. uh, who are greeted, who are greeted yeah, by, by new people, people who've been coming for four weeks. And they say like, <laughs> Oh, is this your first oh, time? I here? love
3: it. That's great. <laughs> and
1: so it's kind of jacks with That's everybody's a sick burn like, right well, there. What is this? What's going on here? So anyway, huh. it's pretty good. All right. Well, Bishop Todd, anything, uh, Close us out. Give us a word of encouragement or Mm -hmm. some signs of life you're seeing maybe in our diocese uh, that you want to highlight. Well,
2: signs of life, uh, I'll say what I probably said year, year and a half ago is that I've had two consistent thoughts as I pray for our clergy every day. One is empathy for how hard it is. But the other is I've just been so impressed. I mean, y- you know, you guys can't have this perspective cause I stand outside of you. I've just been so impressed by how diligent people have been and how creative mm. um, everybody's hanging in, everybody has hung in um, and everybody's been as creative as they possibly could. And that's been like super impressive to me. And I would, I would want to say that again. So I don't remember exactly what Amanda said that sparked this in me, but it's the whole notion of just being present to what's real. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a quote that comes up occasionally in praise you go, and I'm sorry, I can't get it exactly right, and I I can't think of the author's name. But the general gist of it is we all live long enough to learn what we need to learn, but there's kind of the sadness in this poem that every generation has to do it again. Mm -hmm. And I think it's what Amanda was saying about especially if you're anybody like me who likes to fix things, mm-hmm. we are just not going to fix this. Yeah. So if fixing it isn't the answer, what is? And I just think it's something like present. How do we be deeply present to it? Mm-hmm. And I'm probably mm-hmm. thinking about that because Sean brought up Eugene and how do you unsee that? And I, I sometimes say that Eugene invented the words noticing and present and alert mm-hmm. because in yeah. my yeah. life he did, uh, showing me the importance of those things. And so if you think of like a John Wesley – Well, what did he have to be present to? He had to be present to the sort of early throes of mechanization and the industrial revolution, child exploitive labor, um, millions of people drunk because they just couldn't deal with what was happening in their society apart from rum. Mm -hmm. Well, so Wesley had to learn and he did what he did. But exploitation, we sort of fixed child exploitation in terms of labor for most of the world. Um, but, uh, especially, I guess the developed world, most of the time, I, yeah, never mind. you know, there's except, <laughs> there's exceptions to every caveat, rule, caveat, yeah. but, caveat. but we sort of, yeah, but we sort of got at it and, yeah. and we yeah. now understand what it means to medicate, you know, uh, emotional pain in more sophisticated ways than they would have with rum, mm-hmm. but the issues of exploitation are still mm-hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And the issues of how human beings deal with systemic pain is still here. And that's what that person is trying to say. Mm -hmm. So we live long enough to learn what we need to learn and how to be present to our Mm -hmm. contemporary pain, but we don't live long enough to fix everything. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the gist of that quote that always speaks to me because I am a fixer. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, part of, yeah, I just, I want to make things, Right for everybody. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. It's probably why a lot of us uh, got picked as leaders. Yeah. People noticed our propensity to fix things and uh it does good work sometimes, but um yeah. but you're right. I think we have to we have to be um willing to just uh to simply be a part, to yeah. participate mm-hmm. in God's, yeah. you know, work in the yeah. world and not we don't get to see it through to the end, we don't get to start it, we don't get to control it. Um, so we don't get to fix anything, but we get to participate by being present Mm -hmm. uh, and speaking good news and, you know, standing with the vulnerable and we just trust, you know, that's just, okay, that's my offering. Yeah. God, God's going to take it and he's going to incorporate it into his work in the world.
2: Back to where we started. One of my other, one of my other sort of guru friends, uh, Richard Foster was used to say, just work a modest day. Mm -hmm and leave the outcomes to god. Yeah. Again, I don't know how you unsee that. Yeah. <laughs> like once once that gets into your head, you're sort of ruined. Yeah. There's a beauty to it, but yeah. man, it is way easier said than done. Yeah. yeah. All of this
3: makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is and not a resolve you for a podcast. podcast today, Sean. This is an intervention. Sean. No resolve here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Well, uh, Amanda, Sean, thanks for joining Todd yeah, and I thanks so on much. the podcast today. This was a really fruitful conversation. I think it's gonna be really helpful. It was really helpful for me. Really Appreciate nice you guys. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.